Cape Talk. A worldview from London with Adam Gilchrist. How are you doing, Adam? Morning, Lester. I'm very worried you're in a jumper. What's going on? What's going on with South African weather? Surely it's still summer. <laughs> no, it's raining. It's, it's... No. no. <laughs> it's not the rain that I'm crying about, Adam. <laughs> oh, that. It was a freak. <laughs> it was a freak. If you look at the stats... Liverpool had eight shots on target to Manchester United's four. The score should have been probably 2-1. Let's call it 2-1. Let's call it 2-1 because they only get three points anyway. Three points from seven goals is totally inefficient. The input-output ratio, it makes no sense. They've blown all their goals for the next, what, four games? And they're only getting three points? Gosh, waste of time. Anyway, would you rather be third or fifth in the table? <laughs> I'm, I'm preparing myself for Liverpool fans to start coming in any any hour now, so I have to be careful. <laughs> oh gosh, but let's. Um, they say um, out of all the unimportant things, football is the most important. The most important things, of course, how we treat each other and how we relate to each other in the world. Um, things are are taking a very. Um, Centuries ago, turn. Last time we probably mm. saw a hand-to-hand combat, combat in terms of trench warfare, is in World War One. But that is what it's come down to. In Ukraine, the war is getting very, very basic. In that, uh, opposing soldiers and forces are engaging in hand-to-hand combat in the Ukraine. Yes. War. Yes, an upsum from uh, the Ministry of Defence in London, a British intelligence briefing suggests that Russian reservists in particular, not necessarily the, the crack frontline troops or indeed the Wagner mercenaries, but the reservists, the conscripts, they are likely to be using shovels for hand-to-hand combat. We're hearing a lot about the especially brutal battle for uh, Bakhmut, but beyond that, there is this shortage of ammunition and it's quite across the board given how many troops are in and around ukraine it's a big issue the result is uh, according to this intelligence briefing the russian troops are relying on a standard issue mpl 50 entrenching tool in other words a shovel designed in 1869 uh, actually it does have a kind of mythological status i think stalingrad might have actually done a little bit with this uh, because of course you could dig in with your shovel and then you could clock somebody over the head with it if you needed to i mean it's very first world war but i guess stalingrad second world war but the idea that essentially that is now how russian troops are having to defend or attack ukrainian forces reservists and conscripts in many cases they're just young blokes Mm. who never expected to go to war and are described as being neither physically nor psychologically prepared and here you are here's your standard issue shovel now go fight wow gosh um connected to the war is also um the the attitude of a ukrainian and russian neighbor and that is is belarus uh, Belarus mm. is cramping down on, on freedoms in that country. And there's been uh, a lot written and spoken about of the, the, the close relationship, uh, between Russia and Belarus, even suggesting suggestions that Belarus could be used as some sort of, uh, invasion platform for, yeah. for, for Russia if this, this conflict escalates. Alexander Lukashenko described as Europe's last dictator apart from the fact that he's quite a close mate of Vladimir Putin, who's probably the other last dictator. But Lukashenko's an interesting dude. Uh, We won't go into too much on him, but it's what's happened with his laws that have been passed. So a court in Belarus 
has sentenced the celebrated Belarusian author Alex Bialyatsky to 10 years in prison for supposedly arranging and financing some public order offences, protests by any other name, and protests against authoritarian rule. Now, in most countries, you know, you can protest. You have the right to protest. But in Belarus, eh. And Alash Bialyatsky was a joint winner of the Nobel Peace Prize only last year. So do they care about the PR? Seemingly not. Um, he has been arrested and imprisoned before, but it just feels that this is human rights taking another backward step. Uh, his group, Viasna, calculates that he has now joined 1,457 other political prisoners in Belarus. But if you look at the official stats, there are none. There are no political prisoners. Obviously, they're all criminals. And that's the difference of opinion, isn't it? Right there. Or indeed, the difference of fact, frankly. Mm. And then finally, uh, a treaty to save the seas. The first time in in 40 years that uh, world mm. governments have come together and say, want to put pen to paper, we at least want to pledge uh, the the saving of our oceans, whether this bears fruit in practice. Of course, we can sign mm. as many treaties as possible, whether they stick to that <laughs> or not. You know, there's very little enforcement. But what is this latest treaty signed in New York? Well, you, yeah, you're you're right about how how it's checked, how it's enforced. Are there penalties if countries are caught breaking the treaty? But at least they have, as you say, put pen to paper, 193 nations reaching this historic agreement, whereby it's the High Seas Treaty, as they call it. It aims to put 30% of the world's seas and oceans, those that are not within the realm of a country, so beyond those limits, uh, the general high seas, uh, protected areas, therefore, by 2030, safeguarding and recuperating marine nature. I mean, obviously, this is terribly good news for marine life, but also for fishermen and for those countries also that need marine life and fishermen, indeed. Um, 38 hours of talks it took, it took at the UN headquarters in New York after 10 years of hot negotiations. So the 10 years boiled down to a final 38-hour push. Uh, the negotiations were held up about funding and fishing rights, inevitably. But do you know what? The last agreement on the seas was 40 years ago, and basically only 1% of the world's oceans were covered on, under that. So to move from 1% to 30%, it sounds like progress. Let's hope it just follows through. Let's hope it does. Adam Gilchrist, uh, uh, best of luck in the office today with uh, other uh, with <laughs> other <too>. football fans. <laughs> I'm going to get it as soon as I get out of uh, the studio at 9 o'clock. Adam Gilchrist with The Worldview. Chat to you tomorrow, sir.